0: Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Our question and answer session with Seabass is presented by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615 933. 1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it on the Vandy Sports Podcast. The news today is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports loving injury law firm in Nashville. These folks will shoot you straight on your rights and your options when you have been injured in an accident. Give them a call at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com and tell them you heard about it on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Vanderbilt's Black and Gold Baseball Series begins this weekend. Commodores play games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Seabass appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl & Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue... How comfortable Bowling Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are Fair Trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee, as he does every week. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing fantastic. You know what I was just thinking a funny word is? What? Fiddlesticks. That's one I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I have nothing else to add to that. I just thought that that was a funny word. So is conspiracy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we'll go oh, there today. Oh, boy. Uh, Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's that time of the year, isn't it?
1: It is that time of year, sir.
0: This is the, uh, what do we talk about now? Portion of the season, three games in.
1: No, I will never be there. Not me. A couple things here. Uh, First of all, hated to see, but at the same time, maybe I didn't hate to see the the postponement of the Vanderbilt-Missouri game. The the term that Coach Mason used right now that this was the team was a shell of itself right now. They don't have the numbers, wasn't conducive to matching up and play and playing a football game. And hopefully, uh, they can use this time to get better. I'm not talking about at football, but just 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 getting better and getting focused and getting being able to get back and play the game. Because I'll never have fun in a loss, you know. But that A and M game, man. Man, if they could bottle that back, you know, that's, that's, that's the type of football that win or lose Commodore fans are going to get behind. You know what I mean? They just will. There was, there was such promise in these last two, at least last two games have been a, you know, bitter, bitter pill to, to swallow trying to figure out just which one of them is the, is, is the real team? Because I mean, they came out and they showed a level of capability that you and I, and I think most of the fan base didn't really think that they had And so I think we leave ourselves three weeks later asking the question, where was that, you know, and I know that it was a loss, one thing I, you know, I I don't mind if you get in the middle of the ring and you swing to, you have nothing left, I'll, I'll live with the results. Haven't seen that in the last two weeks. Don't now, now look the, the, the South Carolina game kind of was what it was. I mean, 56 scholarship players, you're not going to beat many teams, and and we don't really have that type of luxury anyway. The LSU game was just a whole matter altogether. So I guess I kind of want to know just exactly who we really are.
0: I swear you could take everything you just said and transport it back to the mid to late 1990s and say it all, and it would fit perfectly there. It just seems like that's kind of where the program is. I know this is no new ground, but it's like – Hey, they played somebody close, and everybody's excited because nobody saw that coming. <laughs> and then there it goes.
1: Well, I mean, and yes, and that's true, and you're right. You you can copy and paste that to about, to every conversation in the in the '90s and the '2000s, and every year that wasn't James Franklin's, basically, outside of a year or two, of course, uh, Bobby Johnson's season when we won the, the the Music City Bowl and whatnot. But I guess, and without going into one of those shows today, I mean. At least you're hearing some things that I think all that we're asking for right now at this point for what's left of our fan base is something to hold on to, something to believe in, something that can, you know, give you a reason to stay around. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Outside of having a child go to that school or going there yourself, you need a reason. And, you know, you're hearing some things lately that says there are people in important positions that want that to be the case.
0: Well, the issue is that the Chancellor is going to run up against some of the same people that I have.
1: The question is though who you know and, and i and I get that and 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 you are a very important piece, but this is the Chancellor. you know he points that direction, things get done. You know the question is how much power does he have here and and how much is he willing to do look one way or the other if 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 he makes moves. We're going to ruffle feathers. And I read, I remember one of the posters, say who it was, but one of the posters who said, you don't turn your back on 10 figure donors to have a good football coach. I get that. I mean, clearly, Uh, I certainly understand that. Does it have to be one or the other? Uh, I don't know where any, anywhere else where it's one or the other. You can have one, you cannot have the other. Those those are things that can absolutely exist at the same time, but you're going to have to ruffle some feathers. My question is to you, Chris, if Chancellor Deermeyer makes the decision, we already know about what he wants to do, but if he says, look, you brought me in to do a job, you brought me in to make these decisions, and this is my decision, and he makes that decision, is he going to be able to pull that off? Does he have the ability to say, okay, this is my decision, you're gone? Does he have that ability? Can he do that? Should he choose to?
0: Oh, can is complicated because I think, yes, but it's what you're up against if you do. But my question, if I'm him, is okay if I can't do what I think is necessary to run the school in a way that it has to run to succeed? Then please explain to me what my point, what is the point of my being here? I would turn that around in a hurry.
1: All right. You know the only thing I, I'm, a little, uh, I'm, I'm I'm having a hard time understanding is how these two sides didn't realize that about the other. During the interview process.
0: Well, my answer. You know how long I have covered this program, right? It's been since 03. The whole what is it that gets in the way of sports question, right? Yeah. That's the thing that we've had that conversation you and I have on the podcast many a time. I've had it with other people. I feel like I've finally gotten really close to where that's coming from, if not put a finger straight on it and how things happened. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the podcast that I did just before this, because I think that explains a lot of it. But I just don't think that most people really know or understand how the university operates. I think that's a well-kept secret for a lot of reasons. You know, it was a revelation to me when I started talking to Board of Trust folks who said, you know, I don't matter. It really doesn't matter. The Board of Trust meetings are a dog and pony show. The Athletics Committee is a complete sham. It might as well not even exist. It takes a long time to get to that, and I'll ask you, you know the stuff that I have said and I've written over the last few years and people have taken issue with it. But I think this has been a historic year because I've finally been able to get to the who's and how's and what's of the way athletics is run. I mean, that's been a well-kept secret for a long time because you tell me who has ever talked about that with any degree of knowledge, with with names, anything like that. I mean... It has been really hard to get at the who, what, when, where, how, why of all this. It's just been a mystery for so long. Buddy, once you get there, they're not big fans of you talking about it. I hear y'all, but too bad. (laughs) Too bad. That's where we're at.
1: Here's what I would say. What, what, What does your money get you? Clearly, I mean, you've done many great things. For, for this university, but this is not a one person or one family university who's, because of their giving, should be able to dictate any and every single direction that that university goes and, and who's in charge of it. And this is, a, I'm, yes, I'm aware that it's a private university, but it's a university made up of many, many, many people. One person should not have that control that is not the chancellor. Your money should not entitle you to make the decisions over everyone else. I'm sorry, it just shouldn't. You know, I mean, go buy your own university and, and you can run it however you want to. You know, but this is not your university. It's a collective. And because you have more money than- now, look, I get the way the world works. I'm not stupid. I just don't, I just think, I think this approach is completely wrong. It's just not right. You know, I'm not gonna start yelling. It's not gonna happen. You're gonna hear this today. I'm not gonna hear a bunch of yelling and soapboxing. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. I just don't think that that's right. Go buy your own school, and then you can just tell everybody how to think, and how to act, and all that good stuff. But this isn't about you. It's about a lot of people. And there's some people that are right there with you and feel the same way. But there's a whole lot of people that aren't. And what I would say is I don't think any one person should be bigger than this university. I just don't. And if that makes me wrong, then I'm wrong.
0: Well, if he can't do what he needs to do, then you just might as well quit all sports and quit paying attention to them because it won't matter in anything other than baseball, and that will cease to matter the minute Corbin's gone, I bet.
1: Right. Well, he's either the chancellor or he's not. You either brought him in to run your university or you didn't. That's what they do. I mean, it's intricate. It's detailed. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, is it really that hard to understand? No. No, not really. Are there a lot of layers to this onion? No, not really. Yet people in in positions of power, because of the money that they have, they're calling the shots. And what they want is pretty much fundamentally at odds with anybody listening to this podcast outside of doing reconnaissance work in some way, if you will. I mean, if, and again, look, I do agree. I I don't want to, you know, turn my back on something like that just to have a football coach that that I think can win. This is not just about that. If you're going to put the Vanderbilt name on something, then wouldn't you think, Chris, I mean, this is just me, Wouldn't you think that you would do any and everything in your power to maximize and make sure that it is the best that it can be in every single aspect of that university, the entire umbrella? Not one and the other and say we'll just have it because we get a $40 million check and because we got to have something. No, I mean, come on. I mean, we have – look, we could be – you, nobody's great at everything that they do school-wise but you know, there's, there's going to be areas where they're not deficient, but not as good as the others. But this university is a special one. And it has, if they attack, if they spend as much time and money and effort on keeping this thing down, uh, as they did promoting it, who knows how far this thing could go, you know? You know, and and I'm not trying to you know change somebody's mind politically or or you know socially or anything like that. You know, if you're an academician and that's what matters to you, great, that's awesome. I, I mean, that's who we are fundamentally as as a school. You know, and yeah, I'm saying me, I, I count, Chris. I think by now I count, even though I didn't go there, and neither did you. But why not be? Why not attack the whole thing that way? Why, with the fervency that you do academics, because it it doesn't have to be a compromise. What a be, we could be to say, look what look what can be done. Look what can be done. You don't have to, you know, make concessions one way or the other. All this can be done and effectively. They they just decided that this that that any type of athletic endeavors is a scourge of the university. A, you're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong if you had to be. Uh, But B, again, the one thing I want to say, it's not about you. It's not about you. I mean, you're making it that way, but but it's not about you. The problem is we're all feeling the effects of you thinking that it is
0: about you, and that sucks. The biggest encouragement I could give anybody right now, you know my philosophy on press conferences and press releases and stuff. I think that for the most part, they're worthless. And I find Tim Corbin's to be interesting because I think he is enlightening and answers the questions for the most part. There are always things that you can't get into, and anybody understands that. The football ones, uh, just frankly, you need to do them. They don't provide a lot of value anymore. Stackhouse, I thought, gave us some things last year. You know, Bryce Drews became increasingly worthless, those kind of things. My philosophy, and I think this is especially the case at Vanderbilt, is I'm not really looking for what you say publicly. I'm beating the bushes to find out what's said privately. And I've talked to several people who have talked with Chancellor on a private level or been in meetings, those sorts of things. And you know how with Zepos, it was like, Okay, if one guy's there and football is important to that person, Zeppos will talk about how football's important. If another person is around where football's not important, Zeppos will tell you that football is going to be phased out of society in 15 years, that kind of thing, and it doesn't matter. and you know, he knew what his audience was and, and he played to that. And I look back on it now, this hadn't occurred to me now. Nick Zeppos really gave everybody the model over there of how to operate. It was just tell this one guy one thing, tell that guy another thing. You know, one minute you can blame uh, athletics on David Williams. You know, the next minute you can blame it on somebody else. And it's always this cloak and dagger game where they keep you at arm's length from the truth, uh, and nobody there will tell it publicly. I think with Deermeyer, like I said, what I focus on are what the things that are said privately, and I've had numerous people tell me this. The message from him privately has been consistent since day one. We want to win. We want to be competitive. We don't want to leave the SEC, those things. I think that's the most encouraging thing that has happened in that athletic department in years. But again, it may not matter. He's going to have to have the guts to fight this, and he's going to have to have support from people. And I think that's the bottom line because if he does, I think some of the things that he would like to do He is going to get massive blowback. And when you're in that spot, and and God knows I know this well, you have to have some people that have your back. Well,
1: there's no doubt about that. Now, let me ask you this. So if I'm listening right now to this podcast, and, and myself as well included, what can we do? What can I
0: do? It's like anything else. When you are doing something that is unpopular, you need to know that people have your back. You know, I I think if I'm chancellor and I think that a large financial base is in jeopardy if I do the things I want to do or political capital is in jeopardy, you've got to have a base of support somewhere, right? All of us would like to think, well, I can just do what I need to do and screw everybody. That's not really how the world works for the most part. In higher ed especially, you've got to have a network of people who have your back. And I think that's what the chancellor needs from the athletics community, whether it's ex-players, whether it's influential boosters. I think that he needs to know, I think it's very important that he knows that people have got his back and that it matters. And oh, by the way, that you may have support come out of the woodwork from people who aren't interested anymore, who've just given up until – Things change. I think that's the one thing I would say. If you're asking me, um, you know, what, what do you need in that spot if you're the chancellor? I, I think he just needs to know that, hey, if you were serious about fixing this thing, this mess that you have inherited, you will have my support vocally uh, and you will have it financially. Because he could lose at other places and he's certainly going to lose political capital within certain factions of that school. There's almost no doubt about that in my mind.
1: Okay, well, let me ask you this: What would the balance be? Because uh, I don't want to trade one for the other. I want to meet in the middle somehow. But it sounds like that's not possible. So let's la- operate under the assumption that uh, that trade is made financially and political capital-wise. Does he come out in the black there on the re- in the red? I mean, what are we what are we looking
0: at? I don't know that the assumption in your question is necessarily true. That's just where I think it was this weekend. I mean, I don't think that's going to change because I think the same people have been opposing athletics for a long time. But here's the thing, okay? The okay. The problem is, you know, there might be a couple hundred people that throw a chip on the table and say, here you go, Chancellor, you've got my support right here. But if one or two people... Can throw in a chip that's got a bigger number than all those put together, that's what he's up against, I think. I won't say that for fact, okay? But I'm speculating because you know the numbers or you have an idea on that one big chip, but you know, some of the numbers yeah. that are on there. I mean, there's some people that write checks that dwarf what a thousand people out there listening to this show can do.
1: And I'm well aware of that. So uh, since I know they're not coming on to talk, I'm clearly aware of that. Uh, but I would like to know, you know, maybe from some people who are like-minded or whatever, but can't uh, sling that type of weight around financially. What is the objections? What is what is the holdup? What are your objections? What is it that you are so Adamantly dead set against what do you truly? i want to hear not from me and you i want to hear from someone who has that mindset what do you think is going to happen if we go out and 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 hire someone that we think that is 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 capable of leading our program and that we sink money into into athletics what do you think is going to happen truly now don't give me the same old homogenized answer. I could hear a million times But what do you really honestly think is going to happen if we uh, try to diversify a little bit and, and mix in a little athletics, you know, success and, 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 and not just athletics, yeah, everything across the board, but what is, what do you think will happen? What do you, and since I doubt you're going to be able to get anybody on, on this podcast to answer questions like that, what do you think their answers would be?
0: This is what I consistently hear, and this does not represent my point of view, but this is the opposition. The opposition is one of two things It is a dollar that goes to athletics does not go to academics. That's one we' got plenty of money.
1: We've got plenty of money
0: oh, there's there's plenty of money. Uh, he could
1: the, the, and, money. The, and
0: by the way, the school has the money to do it too, right? I think the school could is. kick right. in a ton.
1: Right, so but that's it's, why I reject that. I reject that statement because they all know the money is there period to do both.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to get to the heart of your question. The other thing I think is that you've got a group that views sports like, let's say we're talking baseball, basketball, football, and we start talking tiddlywinks. I don't think that any of us think that that's on par with the, with the other sports. I think you got people that view sports as tiddlywinks in the business of the school, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, It doesn't, but it does.
0: Well, yes, that's how they think. I think the real issue, though, I just said this for years, to me, it comes down to snobbery. It is You have people that need something or someone to look down their nose at, and the whole place and the old attitude sometimes... Just reminds me of a Bushwood Country Club. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, oh. that that is the part that just bewilders me. I look at that, and for the most part, that has not been my experience in dealing with people that went to Vanderbilt. Is it sometimes? Of course, it is. You always are going to run into a crowd of people that think they're better than you are their money entitles them to things and because of that influence and power and those things that you're irrelevant. But for the most part, you know, I've met donors there and and people that are worth eight figures, nine figures who don't act that way. I've met athletes who don't act that way. I've met coaches who don't act that way. If Vanderbilt is really trying to shed that image, I think there's no better tool of that than athletics because you can bring athletes of all types to your school, and if diversity and inclusion is really what you're interested in, then I think you should get on board and make football because you can change the lives of black kids who come from nothing and are signing second contracts in the NFL that will change the landscape of their family for generations. So that's my question, dude, that's why I have an issue with this diversity and inclusion stuff. It's because I don't think that it is what it purports itself to be. I think the school is more interested in saying, we've got an administrator over here. We've got an administrator over there. Look how great we are. But then look what they do to the kids who come into the program and how they don't give them resources. And that's where I've cried phony for a while. And if you want to know, some people have asked me, what is it about Vanderbilt it just makes you so upset. It's the hypocrisy because to me it's plain to see because if you really cared about those kids, you would put your money where your mouth is. And here you've got a football coach who's got a nutritionist and you see their problems on the field, right? You see what they oh, go yeah. through. You see the speed. You see the conditioning issues. They are plain to day in front of you. And, and by the way, I'm not saying the coaches without excuse, but you've got a coach who's got a nutritionist. Who can't even fund the stuff they need to fund because the school won't give them the money, you know? And again, I ask, where's the football administrator? If she's got so much influence with the school, why is she not being able to win a victory in that before now? I just call nonsense on the whole thing, man. It's it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I would just, I mean, I know they're never coming on, but I would love, I'd love to hear them their side, which I think would. I mean, they go around the world of saying basically what you're saying, too. But I'd like to hear them tell me
0: that. The whole thing is cloak and dagger. It is like what I'm going through with the press pass right now. I'm being told with a straight face, there's nothing against you here. It's a rotation. Okay, fine. If it's a rotation, you tell me when I'm getting into a game next. And then the subject gets changed. That is how they run everything over there. Once you start to narrow in on the truth, they change the subject. That is Vanderbilt in a nutshell. What I'm going through with this credential thing is exactly what everybody else at the university has been telling they have been dealing with behind the curtains for years. Just when you hone in on the right questions and you hone in on where the truth lies, that they change the subject, they pull a curtain over everything, they throw a puff of smoke somewhere else and wait for you to chase that.
1: Well, the other thing I can say, and that may not give a flip, but that's not, Hey, every time that you don't give that to him, uh, the, the the people that count on Chris and like people for coverage, we're going to blast you every single time, every last time. Now, you may not care a thing in the world about it. And that's cool too, but we're still going to do it because it's wrong and it's ridiculous. And y'all know it and you think that it's just going to go away, but I can tell you as long as I'm breathing, that ain't going to be the case. Every time you pull this... I'll make sure everybody that I can possibly tell knows about it.
0: Well, while we're unloading, may I have the floor for another minute or two?
1: I you have it for six minutes.
0: I am so sick and tired of hearing, I've got my story wrong. I still hear that. The school's got my number. This is what they do to people. They go after the critics, and they go after them hard. They marginalize them because they know they've got nothing. They know that when you get to the heart of the truth, there's nothing there and they've got no choice but to change the subject and take it out on whoever it is that's poking the bear. That is their whole philosophy with athletics.
1: Well, that's cool. That, that's cool. So here's the deal the, whoever it is that is telling you you have your story wrong, have them on. Have them on. Hey, I've tried. What? You know what? Well, I'm talking to them right now, Chris. Hang on. Maybe Chris does have his story wrong. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's got an ax to grind, and he's making all this up, or he just is totally confused, or his sources are totally wrong. Cool. Let's hear from you, and tell us why he has it wrong. I'm willing to listen. Maybe my buddy Chris is making all this up. Maybe he's completely wrong. Cool tell me how so. This is simple. If Chris is wrong, I mean, if he really is, if he's really wrong, then come in here and squash him. Come in here and tell us every reason to why he's wrong and and what the truth really is. Maybe Chris is wrong. So you come tell us, because right now, no one believes you. Trust me, no one believes you. And you may not care a thing in the world about that. And so if that's the case, then I'm wasting my breath and that's fine. But if it does matter at all, then come on here. If you're going to take the time, if I'm going to name the person who I know that you have known for a while and is having the nerve to say that stuff. That's cool. Come on on there, dude. Come on out here and t- and set the record straight on why Chris is incorrect on all this and how he has it. He's not, he's not getting it through his head. Things like this is a rotation, which that's cool. But when you were asked, since this is a rotation, because, you know, Chris, let me ask you a question. A starting pitcher in Major League Baseball is in a rotation, correct? That is correct. They pretty generally know when they're going to pitch, don't they? Pretty much. They have a rotation set. Now, things change from time to time for various reasons, but they don't just say... Okay, Smith, you're up today. You know, I know you had no idea you were the guy, but it just happens to be your turn. No, they have rotations are, are set. You know what they are. But when this person has asked you multiple times what that rotation is, when am I getting in to cover the game? He's not going there because he wants to watch a football game. He's got, for his entertainment. He's going there to cover your athletic program. So tell him when he's going to be able to get into that rotation, so that he can in turn tell your fan, your fans of your university's athletic athletic endeavors. That's kind of how it works. You know, of course, y'all fired everybody, so you know there's hardly anyone for him to talk to in the first place. But the one is this still there. Here's your chance. Come on here, tell us when Chris's turn in the rotation is going to be. And don't even get me started on baseball coverage cuz we know what that's about. And so yeah, hey, look. Not, nothing else to say. Come on here and set the record straight. I know you won't, but you should. You know, if you're telling if you're telling the truth, then come on here and tell us when Chris's turn in the rotation is.
0: It's not fair. To ruin somebody's professional reputation when what I've given them so many opportunities to tell their story, and then to run and hide when the request comes, and just to bash me to anybody who'll listen behind the scenes, that's not fair to me. It makes my working relationship hard, and oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a little thing that I've never told, not on the board. Not on a podcast, so here you go. Last December, I sat down and had a meal with somebody who's a senior administrator over there and still over there. I said to this person, I said, look, this facility stuff, there's been a lot of rumors, there's been a lot of things. I chase what I can. I I get that some of it may be more speculative than others. Some things may just be things that were on a chalkboard for five minutes and never were reality. Some things may be what you're planning to do. But I said, here's the thing. A lot of times what's good for you is also good for me. And if you are coming out with these big facilities plans, and by the way, this is not long after that $800 million number was out there, uh, which I didn't know till later. I'd heard some things of significance. I didn't know it was as big as it turned out to be. But I said, look, it will help me and it will help you if when you were ready for all this stuff to go public, that I know about it. And I said, I'm happy to sit on stuff for a couple of weeks or a couple of months if you want to give me details and say, hey, keep this under your hat for now. I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it, I just want to be ready to hit the ground running on this stuff when, when it's good to go and, and oh by the way, in the, in the meantime, I, you know I, I could even say some things like, "Hey, guys, I'm sworn to secrecy, but I think they've got some pretty big plans. Just hold on, and you guys will be among the first to know. I got just some polite nods and okay, you know that kind of thing, and uh, of course, what I did know at the time, I knew something was weird. What I didn't really realize was that they were in the midst of running Turner off. And that's about the time I think they wanted to put the, you know, the kibosh on on all the speculation and talk. It was clear to me that the school did not want any talk at that point of any stuff being out there. And now maybe this is connecting the dots. It was very clear to me that the school wanted to keep this under wraps uh did not want the optimism getting out there in public because it was harder and it, it's harder to dial back once that's out there because you watch now whatever they do with facilities, even if it's significant, right? Let's say they commit four hundred million dollars to facilities, which I'm not saying they're going to do. God only knows what they'll ever do if they'll ever do anything. But once you've got that bar out there. One of the first things people are going to think is, well, let's look where they were aiming under Malcolm Turner, right? And I think that's very fair. It was very clear to me. I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. Like, this is really weird. I I would think that you guys would want to talk about it. You want to build excitement and enthusiasm. I, I didn't understand it at the time. Now it's crystal clear. Again, they were in the middle of running him off, which they did within about five weeks officially. So... You know, and ever since then, right? This whole, well, let's give Candace a chance and let's see what she can do. Well, you know, here we are. She's introduced the first week of February, and we are seven months later. We've not heard a peep. Locker rooms were supposed to be the thing. Uh, I don't know when that's happening. That was, you know, like not even 1% of the budget, and they haven't been able to do that. She talked about strategic plans. They were going to be out there at the appropriate time. They're going to have a website that was all going to be out there seven months from now. We've seen nothing. You can tell me all you want about the plans and just wait and all that. But, man, it's past time. It, it, it's not unreasonable to have expected something by now. And even for me, a talking thing where I'm told this is what's coming, that's not good enough for you anymore. So much trust has been damaged the school's built no credibility. I'm like, you know, you show me the dang plans. Don't tell me. Don't tell anybody. You just, you show me what you're going to do. You show me the numbers. You get that out there. Then you build credibility. But I've, I've just seen this thing developing now for almost a year. And until you can show me proof, this isn't nonsense. Tell me why I should assume anything else.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and, and all those things are extremely fair. And so... You know Vanderbilt. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Enough. The jig is up. We un- we we know what's what's going on. Just either either do just no, not either do it or don't. Just do it. Just get this done. This 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 is ridiculous. Let's let's go ahead and get this done, and, and get into this century. Uh, yeah, I'm tired of having these podcasts, Chris, and these discussions, uh, but we have to because they've left us with nothing else. You know, football team. You know the football game. And they just, they, (laughs) they make that very hard to do. They make it very hard to do. And I, I just, I just, I'm of the belief that if, you know, let Chancellor Deermeyer do his thing, you know, I mean, look, I never come on here and say, man, I can't wait for people to lose their jobs. I don't like that. Not, not at all. But you know, this this year seven, Chris. I mean, it's year seven. You know, it's, Sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, and I don't know how it's all going to shake out. But, you know, to me, it's not even nearly as much as of a Mason thing as it is things above his head. And, and, you know, here's what I, I mean. what He's not James Franklin, obviously, but I mean, it's just like, I mean, how do you even gauge a coach at this school? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how, how, how can you fairly gauge a coach at this school? Outside of Tim Corbin, obviously I'm not talking about him, but you know, in in this football program and to an extent, the basketball program, but how, how do you adequately Chris gauge a football coach? That's a great question. Do I think there's plenty of fair criticisms about Derek Mason? Absolutely. I think he is far too hard headed about some things that he won't change that have been wrong the whole time and continue to be wrong. I don't dislike Coach at, at times. And, you know, I've, I've supported him in, in, in several of these podcasts. It just It's, it's, it's harder the more you see the, the South Carolina and LSU type of football games in year seven. You know, I've, I've seen this movie seen it a bunch of times and I didn't like it the first time I saw it. You know, so I'm certainly not going to like it now. I mean, I'm not out here with the picket signs ain't fire coach Mason. I'm not saying that. I mean, but I mean it's it's year seven. But no, no coach in the SEC, if they had to deal with what he has to deal with on a on on a on a daily and yearly basis from the people that are supposed to be his lifeline and supporting him. I mean I've never seen anything like it they spend more of their time finding ways to make sure that they don't succeed. (laughs) I have never seen anything like that. So, you know, do I think that he's James Franklin? No, but I mean, I also don't think he's as bad as some of the rap that he gets. I don't, I think it would be what would be really wonderful to see is him or whoever the head football coach is have the opportunity to get the full support of its university. And not the antithesis, not have to go to war with it to, to beg, you know, for, for scraps at the table, like a dog, they should not have to do that. Chris. And especially when you were in a conference with 13 other schools who do the exact opposite of what you're doing. You know, I, I, that's why I can't get mad at coach Mason and, and, and some of those, because I mean, they're, they've been put in a practically a winless situation. And here's the thing, even because of the way this thing is structured, if you do get a James Franklin to come on, you can't possibly keep him. There's no way. He'd be a fool to stay. And they find that out sooner than later. You know, so we can talk about replacing coach with this person and that person. But the truth of the matter is, until you change it at the top, who would ever stay? Why would you stay? If you're an up-and-coming young coach, you would say, you know, I've had some moderate success here. This is the time to strike is right now. You would be a fool to wait. If, if you started having legit offers come your way from good power five programs after two, let's say seven and five seasons or seven and five and an eight and four season, it, it is clear. You got them going the right in the right direction based on the way this school is right now and its approach to athletics. What would make them stay Chris?
0: Oh, nothing. I'm thinking about it now. I'm just surprised Franklin didn't leave after year two. Me too. I mean, after he went nine and
1: four, and was it year two, I think it was? I think his records were what? Six and seven, nine and four, nine and
0: four. Is that right? Yeah, although let me stop you there for a minute. I guess that the indoor practice facility was being built by then. I don't remember. So maybe he already had some promises. Uh, to work with, and maybe the perspective was a little different, but I wanted to go in a little different, not a different direction, but I wanted to take something that you said and respond to it while it's on my mind. Okay. That's one end of the boundary of the discussion here, right? The whole, okay, you change coaches, then what? Because what do you have to sell right now? You don't have plans. You don't have anything. So how do you attract a coach who can do a lot better? Which is a very legitimate question. The question that binds the other end, though, is: Let's say there's a year eight of Derek Mason. Nothing changes. When is expectation of winning on the horizon? I mean, twenty twenty four. I mean, you tell me because the hope this year was a senior laden, experienced defense that returned all eleven starters, right? The hope yeah. was that those guys could win you some 17 to 13 type football games, which now it seems like that is not going to happen. See, so you lose all those guys. You've got an offense that's averaging eight points a game against a couple of defenses, by the way, on the schedule that weren't very good. On one end, it's like you can't find something to sell a new coach On the other end, you can't find a path to winning anytime soon, and you can't get the fan base excited with what this is. So what do you do at this point? I mean, I know what I'd do. I'd be very bold and aggressive and say, you know, we're making some changes, and if you don't believe me, look at some things we've done over here. I'm going to do what it takes to win. I'm going to have a press conference. I'm going to get some plans out there, and I'm going to show it, and I'm going to say, hey, look. We're putting these out here so that you can hold us accountable. Yeah. You know what we're talking about. This is no more cloak and dagger. This is what we're doing. Um, you know, Put it out there and show people. Burn your boats, so to speak. That's just never been part of the way they do anything. They will continue to thread this needle. I mean, it's been that way for 60 years. Yeah. So, sounds like uh, huh. Ch-
1: Chancellor Diermeier is kind of an important person right now, yeah?
0: Yeah, and I admire him for having the guts to do what he's done. I mean, from what I've been told, there's been a lot of changes on campus. You know, he got rid of Susie Stalkup, which was big. So I will give him credit. I think he's done that with some other positions I've heard. I don't know exactly what they are. So you've got a chancellor who is willing to hit some of the dysfunction head on. But let's face it, man, if he goes into this battle... That is a battle where the other side's almost undefeated for 60 years, and that takes some guts.
1: Well, you know, nobody expected Mike Tyson to lose to Buster Douglas, now did they? You know, Chaminade did beat Virginia one time. You know? So you never know. The track record is what it is. This is either going to be a great, great thing, or it's going to be the final nail. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there's a middle. I don't think there's an in-between. I think either he comes in, makes the absolutely, utterly sweeping necessary changes. We we now realize that someone of his caliber, even he can't do anything about it. And so this is just going to be what it's going to be. And if you're going to be a fan of Vanderbilt football and athletics, you're just going to have to sit back and, and, and accept that, have fun, and expect to lose.
0: Oh, yeah, I think he's going to do people a favor one way or the other. He is either going to do what it takes to get this turned around, or he's not going to do it. And one way, you can get excited and think, okay, now there are reasons I can tangibly point to that say this thing could get better, and here's why. And no more, hey, I've heard, or this is on the way. No, it would be right there in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, if he does it, then he, let me tell you, yeah. you you could follow tennis and golf; those sports will do fine. Maybe the occasional women's soccer, but everything else will be toast. Other than baseball, and uh, when Corbin leaves, that'll probably follow.
1: So, yeah, he, so I think he'll do
0: people a favor either way. It, it'll be it'll be one or the other. I don't see a whole lot of middle ground on this.
1: There's not any. I mean, there there, there is no middle ground. It's all or nothing here um that may sound a little over dramatic but i think it's probably about right uh because yeah and i guess because i chris I, I mean i'm 48 man it's one thing when i you know when i was 20 but i'm 48 now and, and i you know i still have the passion for it i don't have the patience for it when everybody else keeps saying why do you continue why do you still but while you over it? why don't you just I said, because, you you know, I, I'm way too vested, but what I won't do is see the absolute writing on the wall when there's finally a chance of somebody who's going to break through and, and, and make these knuckleheads understand, um, man, if he can't do it, if the chancellor can't do it, then I'll just understand that, that these. These, these these folks are unbeat their money is unbeatable and there's nothing I can do about it and I just have to go figure something else out. And and that would suck to me because it's this university and the school and this athletic departments have been such an important thing to me for su- for my whole life. My whole life, Chris. I grew up in Houston. I didn't know where Vanderbilt was. And it's mattered that much to me. I wish it mattered that much to them, but it doesn't. That's fine, but I I don't know how I would be able to continue to do that when I know that they are going to squash any and everything that they possibly can in terms of potential athletic success. I just don't know that I'd be able to continue to do that. It's not a threat. It's just me telling you how I see the situation.
0: Let me ask you, if you were chancellor and you got thwarted on this, if it's me, I'm taking the first bus out of there. Because that's just a sign that again, I'm not in control,
1: he doesn't well, that's see the you know the good news for him is, and I think this is one of the reasons that he can he can go at this you know aggressively should he choose to do so. He doesn't need Vanderbilt okay, first of all, he came from a superly highly respected university, right? I mean, this is not just some dude I mean this is a very well respected smart man who, if it didn't work here, I promise it worked somewhere else. You know, we, we, to, to around people who aren't nearly as short-sighted as the people that we're dealing with. Um, so, I mean, look, I mean, the way I look at it is is if I'm Diermeier, I'm going to call my shot, and this is what it's going to be. And either you, I'm going to be able to do this or I'm not, but I don't have to have you. Vanderbilt uh, – D- 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 Diermeier does not have to have Vanderbilt. It's not Vanderbilt or nothing. I mean, you think he couldn't get a job as a chancellor at, at another prestigious university in this country? Because he wasn't willing to 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 just completely turn his back on a very large portion of that university that had been doing that for so long, you know, for trying to enhance the university experience for all athletes, not just for people at parties, you know, with bow ties on, you know who think that if you throw a football that you are some type of cretan. I mean, I I, I don't, this is such an archaic way of thinking and and it should be totally and fundamentally at odds with this school, but it's adopted by a great deal of them. And it's, it's unfortunate. I've never seen anything like it, but make no mistake. He does not have to have this school. He doesn't, he just doesn't.
0: Well, and I think if, if I'm Daniel Deermeyer and I can't do what I think I need to do, I do think I move on, and I bet you he would have a handful of athletics boosters with influence that when he's trying to get his next job at Princeton or Yale or Columbia or wherever that might be, uh, I think there'd be people to pick up the phone and probably say, hey, look, this guy tried to get stuff done through no fault of his own, and, and that's why he's trying to to get out of here. That's what I'd do. I mean, I think that he would have people, again – that are going to have his back if he fights this fight,
1: uh, for sure. You know, I know at least two people uh, Chancellor for sure. I just never really understood why the folks that are so at odds with this don't understand it. Look, look, look at places like Northwestern and Stanford. Uh, now, I don't know what Stanford's endowment is, but I know that Northwestern's dwarfs sires. I know that those are super highly respected academic institutions, maybe more so than ours. They have invested a lot. A lot of time and money in athletics because they recognize that it is part of a well-rounded student. You know, for those who, I mean, golly, Bill. I mean, you you know, I'll tell you one thing: in in a lot of schools around this country, Chris, you're going to find that the highest GPAs are from the athletes. The why, why do you think that the Ivy League thinks that it's important enough? that they that they participate in things like football and basketball and all these other things, but you are above it. You're too smart for it. How do you justify that? They're way smarter than you are, way smarter than you are. It's good enough for them, but for you, it's some type of scourge on this university. Every dollar spent on ath- athletics is one that could have gone to academics. I got news for you. You've spent so much money on academics, and this new plan they've got coming in where they're bringing in these cats and giving them untold numbers of money. You know, those are great things. They are. But again, it does not have to be one or the other. It just doesn't, you know. But I feel like I've said that four zillion times, and I feel like I'm saying it to nobody. You know, like I said, uh, they can hear it a billion times and they're not going to change their mind. I don't know what the words are to make them understand if they haven't by now. Uh, clearly, they're way too brilliant for me.
0: Well, and I think you hit on something, and I'm glad you phrased it the way you did because it reminded me of something somebody told me this week. That's the factor of the school that wants to be Harvard and not Stanford, and I think that's a lot of it too, is that's how they see the school being, and of course Harvard is not, division 1 football it's ivy league you know they do play uh, you know makes me wonder if wait, they want to be wait,
1: wait, wait, let me stop you let me stop you right there yeah it's not division 1 it's fcs but but let me put it this way was it harvard or princeton that had the number 1 recruiting class in the country in football either last year or the year before last and i promise you that football 100% matters to the people at harvard and to princeton and to Yale and we've had presidents and dignitaries of all kinds who have manned these type of positions at those schools it's good enough for them i promise it's good enough for you you know that's what that's what i'm trying to get through their head and they just don't seem to want to do it because they're positive that it's all about them and not the rest of us
0: Last I checked, Stanford, Duke, and Northwestern were all ahead of Vanderbilt in the academic rankings. So,
1: but, but for some reason, for us, we're above it. I just don't understand that ridiculous line of thinking. Now, I have to go, but I do want to say something about the football team. I don't know about you. I mean, you know, it was, the game was what it was against South Carolina. But it, does Keon Brooks look a lot better to you? right now than he he was last year and then, now, again I understand we saw him in limited roles but he looks a little more explosive to me
0: Yeah he does to me too
1: I mean I'm sitting here thinking about I'm sitting here thinking about this and I'm thinking okay boy, I wouldn't mind some packages featuring Keon Brooks and and Javion the in this in, in the game at the same time
0: You know, I think they're going to need to get Marlowe on the field more, put him in the slot, you know, put Cam out wide or put him – I just think you're going to have to get more guys with the ability to make plays on the field. Uh, I hate to say it, but from wide receiver three down, they get almost a zero right now other than in terms of pass blocking. I hate to be mean, but it's just true. I mean, (laughs) there's a reason they're scoring eight points a game. Well, There's several of them. But, yeah, why not get those – Kids both on the field at the same time. As you mentioned, Cam Johnson, Amir
1: needs the football. I, I think that we're starting to see that Ben Bresnan's one of the better young tight ends we've had in a while. I like that guy. I think that I think he needs to be another large focus of this offense. Um, you know, I think we got a few players that we can get the ha- the ball in the hands of that might be able to do a little
0: something. I agree with you. He showed some things that. I don't remember seeing a year ago. I mean, he had that one big run against Northern Illinois. I still don't think he's RB one in most sec schools, but it's a little bit of a boost that I don't think we knew they'd have a week ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I look, I I mean, again, I I agree. I mean, uh, but of course, you know, he's had limited carries in his career. Who knows? I mean, he, he he, he's got, he's got some wiggle to him, you know, and I, and I, I I was pretty impressed and they're certain, you know, it's funny. Uh, It seems like the runs on first down are either two yards setting up second and eight or picking up seven or eight yards off tackle. You know what I mean? Uh, I think they, it seems like they find themselves in either second and eight or second and three a lot. Yeah. You know, not that in between and uh i mean there are some bright spots on this team a lot more negative than than anything else right now i tell you look i'm not going to judge them on the second half of that south carolina game when it got out of hand with they put 56 scholarship players and and i mean look by the time that bill you know, that third quarter runner we're watching guys for south carolina run untouched for 80 yards you know on on nothing in particular, means just nobody there, you know, by the time this team's gassed, they have no depth uh, because of uh, the, the sheer number. So I'm, I'm willing to, I'll be honest with you, Chris, I am willing to throw out the South Carolina game, you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure where they are. I'm pretty sure they're the worst team in the SEC. I don't think that's close. Do I see a scenario in which I think that, uh I mean, because look, I mean, we're talking about well, maybe we can beat Missouri. You see, you saw what Missouri just did. <laughs> you know, we, we saw what Missouri just did. There's a long way to go, but there are some bright spots on this team. There are. And and, and and hopefully we see a lot more of that going forward if we get the opportunity to play.
0: My man, I know you've got to run. So tell people where they can find your show, where they can find you on Twitter, and anything else you'd like to throw out there.
1: Yeah, you can find me on the Cheap Seats 101.5, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday here in Jackson, Tennessee. And you can always chit-chat with me on Twitter at Cheap Seats Bass.
0: He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. This will be all for this week. Be sure and listen again next week for more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.